Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... And now you get to drag Matthew along, too. I know. Poor Matthew. He's gotten sucked into so many schemes because of me. If I had known at the outset what all of the associated job requirements were for becoming Robbie's husband, it's really good that she's fed them to me in dribs and drabs because I don't know if I would have had the metal to really embrace it all at once. But yes. My guest today said one of my favorite things ever during interview. Quote, As I wrote the book, I had to figure out what was going on. How about that for a sense of discovery and risk and adventure in writing? Am I right? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 467. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. And today I'm joined by Matthew Swanson and Robbie Baer. Matthew and Robbie are married. They have a family together, but they also share a lot of creative pursuits, namely, for the sake of this conversation, making children's books. The Real McCoys, their debut middle grade novel, released last November, and its sequel, The Real McCoys, Two is a Crowd, comes out in November of 2018. Of the main character, Moxie McCoy, Matthew says, quote, she believes everything she thinks so profoundly that it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. I hope by now your interest is as peaked as mine when I first read the back matter for this series. Thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, the Highlights Foundation, and Viz Media for helping make today's episode possible. And now, please welcome my guests, Matthew Swanson and Robbie Baer, the author and the illustrator of The Real McCoys. Well, welcome to the podcast, Matthew Swanson, Robbie Baer. I'm excited to talk to you both. We are excited to talk to you. We're trembling. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's an honor, and we're very excited. Matthew's trembling. I've got I've I'm, got I'm myself just, pulled I'm together. I'm just cold. I'm too near <laughs> to the air conditioner. Wait, but can I, for real? Let me for real just have a moment of honesty up front and just say I actually was quite nervous about talking to you today, and I think it's because you live so close to me. Like we haven't <laughs> met funny. in real life yet, but it was that feeling of like. No, I could actually really see these people, not just, hey, maybe we'll run into each other at a conference. No, it, it like will be, we might it will show happen. up on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, we'd like to. You're in a precarious to. position, and I think you should um, behave accordingly today. Yes. <laughs> I think more of all of those childhood feelings are coming back of like, I need them to like me. Oh, oh, oh. You really need to start driving us away now. I think that's what your plan should be. 
Because we will show up and we will, you know, commandeer your life. I mean, we've decided to give you the benefit of the doubt for now. So as long as things go okay, I think it's going to be all right. Well, I appreciate your grace and kindness. Yes, and, sure, uh, sure. I'll look forward to proceeding through the next 25 minutes with you. Um, okay, so before we go into your writing, your books, why don't I just uh, back up a little bit and, and ask each of you to introduce yourself for those people listening that might not know you yet. So Matthew, you want to take a shot at introducing yourself to everyone? Sure. So for the purpose of today's podcast, I am an author of children's books, middle grade books and picture books. But I am also a communication strategist who spends half my day creating uh, view books and other materials for higher education, for colleges and universities to recruit the students they recruit. Um, I'm an on-pause independent publisher. Robbie and I run two small presses that over most of the past 12 years have put out about 70 books that we have written and produced together. Right now I'm focused on our trade stuff, The Real McCoys, our middle grade series and picture books, but we both still have that urge and want to get back to it when we can. I am in the summertime a commercial salmon fisherman. This is yes. where we go. Yay. It came up. I'm so glad. Yes. This um, is where we jag slightly dramatically to the here's, left. Here's a warning to anybody out there who's considering marrying Robbie. Don't do it. That one of the requirements for being Robbie's husband, in addition to having four children, is spending every summer wearing rubber pants in the Bering Sea pulling sockeye salmon out of a hundred yard gill nets with your hands. Now hold on, no, he's you... misrepresenting the job slightly. How's this? Because he's only he only did that for like eight years oh. before he got he got ousted, and we had children, and he became the tundra nanny. I mean, which is really quite tundra a promotion. Nanny. Instead yeah. of getting up in the wee hours yes. to jump into the water, I get up in the wee hours to chase away the grizzly bears, make a fortifying tundra this is snacks. Also a misrepresentation. There you have are... never chased away a grizzly bear. I think my I chased away a grizzly bear. My very presence intimidates oh, the grizzly bears that walk around our compound at night. But, your, but, but your moving feral on. aroma chases away the grizzly bear. <laughs> I do. We. I mean, here's the thing: there are no showers in, in our that, part of yeah. Alaska. Mm-hmm. We occasionally I get speak to the truth here. swab the. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the details yeah, out. We yeah, don't. Yeah. We don't stay very clean up there. But my other various identities, I am a uh, misunderstood celebrity portrait artist um, who has a a book of my own celebrity portraiture that others like to mock and puzzle over. I am the father of four, and I I am a recovering poet. I spent most of my adolescence believing I was the great next American poet. I had my Breadloaf anthology under my pillow at night. I produced a sizable, maybe two inches thick um, folder of rhyming poems that is titled Poetry and Other Pastries, that is currently under lock and key. Oh my I, goodness, I I've not, never seen this. I will not let Robbie read it because I, I've never she, even heard about she would this not love me today. anymore. I won't let myself read it because <laughs> my self-esteem would plummet. Let's just say I'm glad I discovered prose. Oh, but these, I'm glad you discovered prose These too, are the different I'm facets really curious about the poetry. of my identity. Wait, you have to tell the true, the one true thing about your poetry. My, my college application uh-huh. essay uh-huh. Um, was a four-page uh, essay in rhyming heroic couplets that uh. did include an invocation of Zeus. Uh. And, and why wow. that college let me in. I was <laughs> such a pretentious blowhard in addition to being a bad poet. That I anyway, that is the that is what I that is what I struggle with every day. I wake uh, up and I have to decide which one of me to be. Uh, and usually the answer is all. So all right, Robbie. All but I, the poet. So oh, no, I'm still the poet. I suffer. Uh, yeah. I suffer. So, suffering. Okay. Okay. Good. It keeps yeah. you keeps you in your place. All right, go ahead. So mm-hmm. Robbie, aside from marrying this guy <laughs> <laughs> What other mistakes 
if I made it. Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So my story is that I'm an illustrator. And for the most part, I'm yes, I'm doing I'm illustrating books, uh, books with Matthew. I've never illustrated books for anyone else or with anyone else. I insist on illustrative monogamy. Yes, Yes. totally. Oh, although I have done some um, editorial work for newspapers and uh, magazines. Yeah. But that was just a dalliance, Matthew. It's okay. I'm still, I'm still your gal. Okay, all right, um, good enough. So that's my illustration life. Um, I, and I'm a commercial fisherman. I'm the one who actually does the fishing because mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm a little bit tougher, tougher? stronger, stronger, quicker, smarter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just a more better looking. I'm just a more well-trained fisherman. So I do the fishing in the summer. Um, I what else do I do, Matthew? You, you are the one you who keeps also track of suffer the company of our many children. Yes, um, I do have four children. Um, and Robbie, I will say, is a devoted community activist that is oh. working with a group of other parents in town to bring attention to the funding system, getting support for our schools, uh, increasing awareness and knowledge, and really devoting her energy to doing good for our community. Aww. Sorry. That that's... made me sound like a, a good hey, person. You are. Way are... to fight for the schools, Robbie. <laughs> yep. Yes. yes. Yep. Robbie, where, um, where, do you, where, where in Maryland are you all? We are on the Eastern Shore, which is the okay. sort of um, the, the part of Maryland that is between the Chesapeake Bay and the ocean. Yeah. And uh, therefore, it is away from all of the uh, civilized parts of Maryland, I would say. So we're in the middle of lots of cornfields. We're quite um, uncouth. We're it's like quite. Yeah. St. Mary's. Not St. Mary's, yeah. is it? We're Mary? in Camp County. We're, okay. Yes, we're near St. Well, we're, yeah, we're north of St. Mary's. Okay, but that, that, that general direction. Yeah. 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 We're, we're sort of in the sticks is the point. Yes. We're very rural. Yes. But we live in a charming historic town we named do. Chestertown. Come to Chestertown. You need to come visit. Yes. It's super, Chestertown. Super yes, yes. We, we learn about Chestertown with the tea party. There you yes, go. Exactly. Come, come see us, Matthew. Town. Very good. I will have to travel with fourth graders to see you one day. <laughs> well, um, lovely that you're both uh, able to join me today. I really appreciate it. Um, and I do especially appreciate, um, I think that we we first got connected. I don't know if it was that I we first got connected because of Everywhere Wonder or if it was um, that someone had pointed me your direction when I was looking at like doing some Facebook live stuff, being that you and Robbie both do a lot of video. It was the remarkable force that is Marcy Colleen. Oh, Marcy, of course. Author of Super Happy Party Bears. Yes. So yes, that is, it was Marcy. Right. Yeah. And we weren't, I don't think we helped you at all with your I I also think at one point someone mistook me for Matthew Cordell in a tweet. Oh, yes. And then I got looped in with all these other Matthews, one of whom was Matthew Winner, one of whom was Matt Tavares. And there was like this Matthew posse that emerged. Yeah. So I, I think that was part of it. Well, that's not a that's not an awful group to be in. No, not that's a whole a, lot of us Matthews. That's that's a pretty esteemed group so very, that I find very myself Very noble Matthews. In. I was yes. going to say you sort of got. I'm, I, you, I'm dragging you other Matthews down. <laughs> that's the problem. To up my game. Oh. Oh, but man, if only we were as prolific as you are. I oh. I I gotta say that um, having known some of the work, having you shared it with me, um, some of the work from your 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 publisher, the publishing that you do. Um, I think that it's, it's, it is really powerful and it just speaks a lot for you, for you both with how much you value storytelling and championing creativity and children telling their own stories. I can see that in what you do. And, uh, 
I think it's really impressive. And then reading The Real McCoys, I can just hear um, how much you like to work out story and tell story through um, through the details. And I like that. I like that quality. Thank that is you. a wonderful, interesting observation. Because when we... Um, so we started out self-publishing ages mm. ago. And we were doing these picture books for adults, which were sort of these very weird philosophical musings that were funny, but were very low on plot, very low on character development, very low on all of these things that help you make a good story. In many ways, I'm a deeply flawed writer, Matthew. Um, <laughs> I applied to graduate school for fiction. I applied to six of the finest MFA programs, and I was rejected seven times. Um, <laughs> the University of Minnesota sent me a rejection letter on consecutive Mondays. Um, so it's it's just... It's just my way They're of... They're like, just please don't come. In case you were mistaken last week, we That's just true. want to make sure so, that you're not coming. So <laughs> I considered throwing in the towel and becoming an accountant or something, but Robbie encouraged me to just keep making stuff. And so we considered our self-publishing kind of as my grad school. Yeah. We just decided to keep making and seeing what happened. Yeah. And over the course of 10 years, we published about 70 books together um, for adults and for children. We did a series of murals. We did some posters and broadsides. For a while, we had a letterpress printing business that did cards. And I mean, it was just, we like to make stuff together. Our great passion, if I may speak for you, Robbie, <laughs> is to take my words, combine them with Robbie's yeah. images, and see what we can make, see how we can be innovative. And it's just fun. And that's what drives everything that we've done. We've always backed into the subject material. That's yeah. almost never been our driving preoccupation. It's new ways to make and collaborate. And that is what fuels us. And uh, but I'm glad that you told a good story. I'm glad that Matthew observed that you told a story. Thank you. McCoy. Yes, I'm learning. I'm, <laughs> I'm you learning told how a to story. tell a story. Well, I, I think what I'm also seeing, too, to call it out, is that it, for all of the, I don't know, writing conferences and things I've read and all that about, about saying, you know, the importance of, of, of become the, the way to become a better writer is to write. And, you know, I think many of us are, 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 have writing journals or certain writing habits that we try to do. But I, I think what I'm trying to say is that I've witnessed really publicly how how much you strive to tell a story because of all of these stories that you've published and because of just it's it's um, hard to miss that you have that passion for writing and for sharing stories. Whereas I think some people might it, it might feel intimidating. You've reached I mean, when you're saying you've published like 70 books, you've reached a place where uh, not to say that making the next book isn't scary, but I think that you've you've embraced that that you've got this multitude of stories inside of you, and that you can keep you can keep sharing from that well. Yeah, I worry about the day. Well, I don't actually worry about the day when Matthew runs out of stories because I mean he's had a pretty pretty good streak going for the last fourteen years well, or however long the, it's been. The way we do it is that I write about ten times more stories than yeah, we publish. Believe it or yeah. not, he's written more than seventy I, I, stories. I bring them um, in a pile to Robbie, a pile of manuscripts with a beaming smile on my face. I'm full, of, full hope, of hope. And I say, Robbie, please bless me with your discernment. And then she thumbs through it and she writes big red X's over almost all of them. <laughs> but the ones true. that rise to her level of uh, of worthiness. And I know that if Robbie doesn't feel in her bones that she wants to illustrate something Thing, it's not going to happen. So it was really exciting to me getting back to the real McCoys when I tapped into this voice that she felt so connected to. Yeah. And we both knew we really wanted to make something. And we knew we wanted to illustrate it in a way that we thought um, oh, yeah. was, 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 was really valuing 
the possibilities of words and images coming together. So we liked it as a book, not just where I would write a book and Robbie would throw some spot illustrations into, but that Robbie would be the co-author of this book. Correct. That it's a, yes. It's, so. it's really, I mean, to, to say that it's, it's sort of the, it's sort of taking a, a picture book to a middle grade audience in such a way that the illustration, the, there's illustrated illustrations represented on every single page and uh, not just, uh, spot illustrations to sort of illuminate something in the text, but really, really to help tell the story. I to to say that you brought a stack of um, uh, manuscripts to Robbie. I feel like yeah, but then Robbie made like three million <laughs> yes. illustrations Thank for the <laughs> for you. the book, right? And then there's a sequel. That's why I was like, wait, we can't in, we can't record just yet because you've got. Uh, way more for me to read. <laughs> but, um, well, and, yeah. and I'm happy to say, just while we're talking about that, there's a sequel to the sequel. So book three oh, is yeah, written. Robbie is Good. illustrating it right now, and yes. that will come out a year from November. So okay. we, it's a, it's a series of three right now. Well, let me back up. And um, Robbie, I want to I wanna ask you about getting into illustration. But before we do that, why don't we get into the real McCoys? And I'm going to ask you for a little bit different perspective. If this was one of these books, which I assume it is, that, that was in Matthew's gigantic stack that would yes. later be red X'd. Could you yes. tell me what in reading this, what, what, how did it speak to you? What felt like it stood out? And then really for those listening, just what is this book? The real McCoy's. Well, um, so, so the book itself is, a, is the story of Moxie. The heroine is Moxie McCoy. She's a fourth grader and she is a detective. Now she fancies herself like an excellent, she's full of vim. She believes she believes everything that she thinks so profoundly that it's sort of irrelevant what anybody else <laughs> says or does. Um, so she often jumps to conclusions. She's she's brassy. She has no shame, like walking up to somebody and saying things. I, I love that about her. Um, but she's missing a huge component uh, of the of the mystery solving game. And so um, she has recently, just before the book starts, her best friend and partner in her mystery solving business um, has moved away. So she's she's suddenly discovering that she doesn't have all of the chops to solve mysteries. And in fact, she is missing quite a bit. Um, so she ends up teaming up with her little brother, who is a first grader, who's very thoughtful, um, very slow, very cautious, very observant. Um, so uh, what we didn't realize until, you know, until after we started talking about this book is that Matthew is very much a moxie and i'm very much a milton um oh. <laughs> in many ways so i think part of the charm of this book for me was seeing a collaborative um seeing two people working together closely and sometimes being at odds with each other and working things out and and finding the value in in sort of broadening what you can do by working with somebody else but i think the thing that most charmed me about this book when it was a, a sad manuscript that hadn't quite there was a, there I wish was... you could see my shocked face right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, Matthew. Your manuscript was sad. <laughs> I know it all too well. When, so in the first version of the manuscript, there wasn't a um, best friend who had, who had disappeared. It was just about Moxie. And the thing that is so charming about Moxie to me is her voice. She is... Um, the kind of she's kind of the kind of kid that I wish I had been. She's a little bit like I was as a kid, but... Um, just having no sort of having no shame, just being ready to just dive in and do it all. Um, and Matthew is able to do that using these totally off the wall metaphors that just make me laugh. Um, and so the combination of sort of this brassy heroine, the the humor, the 
there's a lot of space. There was a lot of space um, in this book and also in Matthew's writing in general for me to play as an illustrator. Mm. All of the metaphors that he uses whenever he says, I don't know, of course I can't remember any of the great lines, but um, he, whenever he uses a metaphor, I get to illustrate it as if it were fact. So I get to draw, you know, the teacher as a thundercloud leaning over Moxie. Um, I get to do lots of things as an illustrator that when you are illustrating just sort of a purely, uh, I don't know what the I mean, the is. same flaws that beset my writing when I didn't get yeah. into graduate school yeah. are virtues in this right. context. Exactly. Virtue. There you go. go. That's cool to hear go. it that way. There you go. See how I turned that around? <laughs> no, um, but... I don't do a lot of describing. Yeah. I don't do a lot of character development. Yeah. I really need Robbie to fill in what writers usually do. And by giving that job to the illustrations, it's a much more integrally um, combined prospect. I think Matthew wants to say something. Oh, I, I just wanted to make okay. one quick observation. Yeah, no, please make an observation. Um, the observation was, was that when you read the manuscript by itself, mm -hmm. Moxie sometimes comes off as a little too much. Mm. And I think one of the things, and this is something that our editor noticed too, mm -hmm. but one of the things that is my job is to sort of humanize Moxie and not make her seem like a cartoon. And in many ways, um, you know, there are a lot of quiet moments in in the book where Moxie is feeling, she's not feeling self-assured and she's not, and she's feeling um, sad or lonely or left out. Um, and those are the moments that I can really work um, that don't that don't really come across quite as much in the writing because right. of the way Matthew writes. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I was able to round her out a lot more, which is well, I agree. I'm yeah. glad you said that too, because again, now that now, now that we've hit on it, I can't stop thinking of it as like a a, a gr not a grown up picture book, but as a as an expanded picture book. Because to think of to think of Matthew sort of leaving all these spaces for the illustrator mm. to interpret that's a very picture book thing to do, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to force this analogy but um but in there there were plenty of moments i felt robbie where where like in illustrating a picture book you really slowed down the words for us the one of the advantages of having illustration on every page is that you can pace us you can control the way we read which is not something that middle grade readers are accustomed to mm -hmm. even when we have a spot illustration perhaps i mean so many people that come on this show and and myself included talk about reading a novel when I was a kid and, and ultimately just like flipping through to what those spot illustrations were to come. Right. And right. trying to guess at like what the story was to come or whatever, or not finishing it and writing my book report and just making assumptions <laughs> based on the spot illustrations. But but you do control so much of the pacing in this. And that is, I don't know, it, it feels like a, a, quite a dexterous task to perform on a on a novel of this length to be able to to direct us the reader in in how to read and now a word from our sponsors the children's book podcast is sponsored by viz media viz is excited to announce that pokemon adventures the most popular and longest running pokemon comic is now available digitally Visit viz.com slash Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com slash Pokemon. A special thank you to our friends at the Highlights Foundation, who host intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. The Highlights Foundation offers more than 40 workshops each year for adults interested in writing and illustrating for children and young adult audiences. 
The workshops are held at their beautiful retreat center in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. You can also visit their campus for an unworkshop and have your own creative retreat with cozy, private lodging and three meals a day. Come alone or bring your critique group. You're sure to feel inspired. Register now for Getting to Know Your Novel. Spend six weeks with the online course, then take a month to work on your novel and finish the course with a retreat at the Highlights Foundation. This online, in-person course gives you the time and teaching you need to really get to know your novel. Check out highlightsfoundation.org for details. Um, Matthew, I also wanted to jump in uh, to to uh, Robbie mentioning that sort of your your moxie and she's um, Milton. First, I couldn't help myself thinking. I wonder if uh, Robbie also looks like an owl because that's that, that was the the comparison that stuck with me the entire read. So Milton looks like an owl. I even um, marked the page for to, to read to people for the sense of the voice. But um, your voice as Moxie goes so quickly, it feels so perfect for her to be a detective because Matthew, it feels like you're really showing us her brain just processing things so fast that sometimes it sort of processes incorrectly, makes the wrong assumptions, but yet it it is just persistent and, and, and fervent and energetic. And I like that quality a lot. Thank you. Do you mind? Yeah. Do you mind if I read to you all? Sure. Okay? Oh my gosh! Yes. Please. <laughs> and then, and then, please jump in. I want to hear more. Um, but just to say, and this is where the podcast format doesn't really serve us well. I'll have to just include like some uh, interior art in the show notes or something. But this is just unlike most books that I've read. You know what it reminded me of? I've um, Bookie Vivat has this uh, middle grade series called Frazzled. Okay. It's also like a gorgeous, heavily illustrated. Um, novel where the illustrations work uh, in the same way that your illustrations are put to work here. And I, I, there just aren't many novels like that. So I'm glad to see the way that you're taking this format. I'm going to read from, well, from, I want to read from that excerpt of, of Milton being compared to uh, um, an owl. Okay. But, but this is where uh, Moxie, where, this is, so there's a, um, for those listening, there's a, um, the school mascot is this eagle or an owl, I'm saying the wrong word, Eddie, um, an owl. Our mascot was Eddie the Eagle, I think is why my brain was mixing it up. <laughs> okay. But Eddie this owl um, goes missing on the day of this big award where some, where, you know, we, where Moxie assumes she's going to be getting this award, uh, goes missing. And so um, we, we start here. Um, I can't help but think about Milton. I don't know if there's anyone in the world who loves Eddie more. Milton does everything he can to be like Eddie at every moment of every day, and probably even when he's sleeping. Other than not having wings or a beak or a monocle, Milton even kind of looks like Eddie. Across the room, Megan Lacey is actually crying. I understand where she's coming from, but I'm too mad to cry. Stealing Eddie is like punching a puppy, or your own little brother. And even though I sometimes feel like punching Milton, or at least pinching him, I never, ever do. And I never, ever would. Uh, I'm not going to read any more, because otherwise I'm going to read you the entire book. I'm going to suggest that you be hired for the audiobook version. That was wonderful. Okay. Thank Please you. Please make that suggestion. I will oh. read the crap out of your book. It's hilarious. It's a book that, it's a book, 
okay, here here we go with more flattery, but I can't help myself. Okay, all right, all right, please, please. It's a book that, quite frankly, um, makes me want to be back in the classroom again, because mm-hmm. as a librarian, I love reading a lot of picture books to, to children and book-talking books, but this is a book that your voice is so spot on. The voice of Moxie, I should say, is so spot on that I want to read it aloud to children. I want to have that with them, and I can I can imagine my readers just being propelled through this book because they're they're in so many ways running right alongside Moxie as she runs all around the school and questions everybody at recess and and just goes 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 through all of this at the same time ha- struggling because she she misses her partner she misses her friend so yeah there's thank you. there's a lot thank here. you thank you for for seeing our book and and getting it at, at the core level it means a lot Matthew thank you I like it I mean I like it a lot I'm so I, I like I feel like I kind of like you guys even more now that I like know the book and I think I think maybe another thing I'm sort of dancing around but I should just call out is that I've watched your stuff on YouTube and I know you I know who I know who you are as like quote unquote personalities the way that anybody who hasn't met me knows me though through this right. podcast and that right. doesn't happen for me I don't meet other people like that and so it was really neat reading something of this of this length not just a picture book but of this length that you've written because i could see how the voice translates and i really mm. i really liked seeing that and i feel like that's something that that we can see in all authors if we get to know them and if we get to sort of know them more and so that was that was really neat to to see that connection there is no doubt that the reason i felt such joy when i discovered moxie's voice was that it is an essential strain of my own experience and my own expression. She moves a million miles an hour, so do I. She jumps to conclusions, so do I. She is full She's of terrible love and, and I, here's here's a true <laughs> fact. We we, we we were cleaning out our studio the other day, and I went through an old bookcase and I found a book called How to Write a Mystery, which I bought when I decided I was going to work on this, but I still haven't read it. That is the that is the true thing about Matthew Swanson is I'm well intentioned, but I, I he is I, he is maybe the most gullible person I've ever met. Oh. Which is why I tricked him into marrying me. Yes. He, he, you, you cannot watch a movie with Matthew. I mean, it's actually delightful because I'm all jaded. And it, within like four minutes after the beginning of the movie, I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. Matthew at every turn will be like, oh my gosh, what? How did that? How? Who is, why is that happening? I can't believe. And and he, it's just delightful. So the idea that he's writing mysteries is... <sighs> I, I mean, it's so, just the greatest. So irony. I wrote this book by making something happen. Somebody steals Eddie. And then as I wrote the book, I had to figure out what was going on. <laughs> so I always had to stay like a page or two ahead of Moxie. But I kept accusing characters right along Moxie of being the culprit. And then I would figure out why my reasoning was flawed. You see? So <laughs> I was my own foil as I was attempting to bungle my way through a mystery. And yes, the, the irony of, of this being the genre that I have uh, stumbled into. <laughs> it's not really a mystery. It's a comedy. It's a book about relationships. It's a book about needing other people, bringing out the best in each other. But hopefully it's funny and hopefully it's exciting. And hopefully the mystery is somewhat gratifying well, to kids. He, here's the thing. If, if I can just say what has been, and I got an email this morning. Uh-huh. People keep emailing us and saying, this kid in my life who doesn't read books, yeah. who won't read books, won't put this book down. Loves this book and is so proud to have read a book this thick and to have read a novel. So yes. our kids came up loving comics, and we love comics, and our kids cut their teeth on them. Yeah. But what we wanted to do was to create something with that degree of illustration density 
but that was a bridge to the beauty of sentences and the beauty of narrative that's not entirely possible in the comic format. So that for that's what we wanted to do. And the idea that all of these reluctant readers, but also these very precocious readers yeah. are equally engaging with it is so exciting to us that we can that we can create something that kids are responding to like that. It's yeah. really a gift to us, but yeah. hopefully to them as well. Yeah. That, yeah. It it is such a different format and I can see I mean as a librarian, I see like my first graders and my kindergartners wanting to check out Harry Potter and books alike yeah. because they're so proud to be holding a bigger book. That's a neat yeah. thing to have that. And in this case, to have a book that, again, you, you've sort of taken away the intimidation of reading a larger size book by, by showing them that you're doing the work you're doing. This isn't like you're cheating. It's not like you only put right. one sentence on every page. You're you're doing the book. You are reading, but you're just, um, yeah, you're engaging your brain in a way that maybe is more familiar or is more comfortable. Well, one of the interesting things that I uh, think about this format is that um, I do think that the generation that is coming up now is much more um, used to sort of multitasking with their brains um, to looking back and forth between the pictures and the words um, and processing it all sort of at once. When I look at the things that our children do, like while they're, you know, they're playing, playing a video game and watching TV and reading a book all at the same time, like they sometimes do that. And that would make me crazy and listening to music. And it would make me absolutely crazy because I I can't process all of that at the same time. Um, Kids seem to just absorb this book very easily in a way that like I showed it to my dad and my dad's like, Oh my gosh, I don't understand. What's we were very discouraged <laughs> after Bob read this book. He was not a fan. He was not, he was not a fan. And, and Bob is, is not, not he's shy not, about telling he's you his not opinions. Yeah, no, no. No. And then he no. went back out to the river and caught salmon with his bare hands. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's so he's good for that. He's come around to being very proud of yes, us now. Yes. Yes. yes indeed. So, Robbie. And I, Oh, go you, ahead, you, Matthew. Go ahead. You were you. You thought you might have been going out on a limb by, by likening this to picture book layout. I want to say that one of the great challenges and things that's exciting about this book is that Robbie basically had to do not just a thousand illustrations for this three hundred and thirty-page book, but yeah. she had to do a hundred and eighty layouts. So it really yeah. is like doing oh, a yeah. picture book. She did not deliver illustrations to our art director and say, "Hey, do what you will." She had to for every single spread figure out how to break up the right number of words to fill that spread and paste the book. And she had to figure out exactly how many text boxes they would be, the angle they would be at, how to keep it visually stimulating from page to page, not just go from a conversation to another conversation, but from a conversation to a pullback landscape scene, to a completely surrealistic scene where a metaphor is brought to life across half of the page. So it was given as, I mean, Robbie, you received it as just a, a straight middle grade manuscript, right? Like yes, not art. Yeah. I, I can't imagine where there would be, but no like art notes or breaks of this or nothing like that. Well, here's a funny story is that when we first for, for book one, which is the real McCoy's um, he, Matthew gave me. Okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. <laughs> the book is 37,000 words long. And I went through the document and added my brilliant ideas for illustrations and the the program tells you um, how many words are added by your notes, and I added forty two thousand words of <laughs> notes. So, um, 
So, and I'd like to say that I probably ignored maybe 41,000 of them. It was so, it so was, we decided that's not going to work for the next book. It was he a was, very Matthew humbling was, process. Matthew was off the hook for illustration. Notes. I should have just written another book <laughs> at that time. Ah. And now a brief word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini class. Enroll today at www.storytelleracademy.com wonder. Or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. So yeah, so he did give me um, a lot of, and this is the way that we've always worked. Um, he will give me illustration notes as suggestions, and most of them I ignore. Yeah. Um, but occasionally That's I'll get That's how stuck. we make our marriage work, Matthew. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, though, m- marveling at, to keep going back to that picture book manuscript, uh, or picture book format, Robbie, I'm really marveling at how you manage a page turn on this, because it's not just about, you know, making these these um spreads but also controlling the text so that you can get a good page turn out of it and you do and so there's just so much going on that is that is a puzzle page after page to solve and i i really loved the way that your art at times carried us across the page along with the text i think there i think that it's possible for especially when it's a spot illustration for it to get distracting and for your eyes to kind of lose track of the words and want to hop down to where the art is. Uh Um, So for you to balance that out is just, I mean, Robbie, you're just insane. It's amazing. It's so (laughs) good. It's so good. Yay. (laughs) Well, one of the things that is, uh, that I am unlike Matthew in is that I do like solving puzzles and probably in the most complicated way that I can do it, right? Mm. So, um, so every yes, I do enjoy the fact that um, I'm not just choosing a place to put a spot. I really like puzzling out each page and figuring out what you know, what words I'm going to highlight, what 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 little passage I'm going to highlight. Sometimes, I mean, the way that Matthew has written, it, there's it's so dense with metaphors that sometimes I can't fit. You know, I can't illustrate yeah. all of them. Yeah. And sometimes I'm kicking myself because I'm like, oh, but she came in with a, you know, a jaguar as her face. And I really want to draw a person with a jaguar face. But there is a better metaphor, you know, like one step away. So it's it's really fun to puzzle it out and to figure out uh, how, yeah, how to control it. I'm also, you know, I also like to control things. So <laughs> there, what? The, <laughs> the here it is on page. No, I wonder if I can. I want to just mark it in case I can take a screenshot of it or something to share. The you talk about this cascading um, metaphors and and it stuck out to me that um, 
one particular illustration on page 95 of the real McCoys. We got to get to two's a crap. We got stuff to cover. Huh. <laughs> but you do this. Um, uh, Moxie is, what is even happening? Moxie's talking about the twins. Something oh, is happening. I don't even remember what's going on in, on the page without rereading it. Um, sort of her being like, likening them to being like monsters or whatever. But you, as the illustration cascades down the page, you see Moxie going from like, uh, a, a tetherball to two-headed monsters to like a wood chipper. There's just like, I see in a single illustration, you're tracking us through these different metaphors. It's stuff like that. That's just, it's a puzzle that you're working out. And I think yes. that, I think it's really impressive. It's super fun. Do me a favor really quick and just yes. catch me up with where you come into illustration. Was this something that, that you've been doing all along with uh, some sort of failed illustrated poetry ah. book that you've locked away <laughs> and never shown uh, that? I have a failed um, a picture book that I did. I did a picture book as my college um, thesis, but I did it. I, it was mostly a printmaking project, but um, I I did think growing up that I wanted to illustrate picture books um, and then, well, write and illustrate picture books. And I think the thing that I discovered in college was that I was actually not a very good writer of, <laughs> of picture books. Oh. And so then I, um, then cool. I thought, you know, it's actually interesting. This is funny. I hadn't really thought of it. But my dad, who's a very strong-willed, strong-minded, sort of opinionated person, <laughs> um, always sort of... Um, he had some friends who were what he called commercial artists, which is what we now call graphic designers. And he always, he, he's such a, um, person, a contrarian that he doesn't like the idea of, of making art for money. So I had this idea that I was going to become an artist, like a, a quote unquote real artist, um, you know, a painter or somebody who's, who's, you know, did, telling the world uh, very important things. And what I discovered is that I didn't really have very many important things to say, but that I liked drawing. And so illustration was a great place. I'm terrible with a blank canvas. I cannot think of something to paint. But um, what's great about working as an illustrator is that somebody else gets to have like the base idea mm -hmm. and then you get to use that as a springboard. Um, so it took me a long time to get around to recognizing that illustration was actually the thing that I really wanted to do um, and not fine art. Uh, yeah, you know, and you know, I don't know. I I think that's it was a circuitous route for me. But so along I, the way, Robbie was a museum docent, a T-shirt designer, a yeah. printmaker, a traveling, traveling children's, children's photographer. photographer. You know, oh. sticking yeah. always yeah. to creative endeavors that led her. That back. ultimately, yeah. all I have to say, all of the jobs that I had always had some angle of creativity in them, and because of that, I think I collected lots of information and lots of skills throughout that were crucial to us um, being able to work together and make books together. Yep. Um, all of the design work that I do, that I've done in The Real McCoys, um, is a direct, you know, I can see a direct line yes. from when I, when I picked up a, a free InDesign disc. Back when InDesign first came out, they gave out discs, and mm -hmm. I taught myself how to use InDesign in the closet of our apartment that I had turned into a studio, and that, like, I can draw a direct line from everything that I did there to, like, where I am now, so... That's cool. Um, when it's all yeah. part of the blanket like that, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm watching our time. We're going to wrap yes. up soon. Yes. There's going to be <laughs> two things I'm going to request. Matthew, in just a second, I'm going to ask if you don't mind just book-talking to the crowd for us, the book two of The Real McCoys, for those, again, that we can anticipate the second book coming out. Uh, and then after that, I just want to know from each of you if there's something ab about 
either of these books or, or just anything that we didn't cover that I didn't ask that you want to make sure people hear before we go, I want to give you a chance to hear it. So keep that in, in, in the back of your mind. And Matthew, do you mind sharing a little bit about Two's a Crowd for us? Sure. Two's a Crowd picks up where, uh, where the real McCoy's one leaves off. Moxie and Milton have come to an understanding that they work better together, so they've decided to form a detective agency. And they're going to work together. Uh, at the beginning of the book, Emily's best friend, Emily Estevez, receives a mysterious unsigned letter. The letter appears to be full of good, charitable, kind, and wholesome things, but Moxie is convinced that there is a nefarious plot afoot to bring doom and devastation on the children of Tillywump Elementary School. And Moxie is going to get to the bottom of that problem. Milton is going to help her. As you know, Moxie and Milton are very different. Soon the happy partnership begins to crack along the edges, and we have two competing detectives trying to solve the problem first. At the same time, Moxie's other nemesis, Mrs. Bunyan, her fourth grade teacher from the first book, (laughs) has suddenly disappeared, has been replaced by Mr. Shine, a seemingly cheerful man who Moxie is not quite sure about because he teaches in untraditional ways. Instead of feeding information for rote memorization, he tries to draw his students into delightful self-discovery. Moxie is not having it. (laughs) She thinks most likely he's up to something. So she is trying to uncover these two plots um, while also trying to best Milton and eventually hoping to reconcile with him. So there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of uh, madcap. uh, There's a stakeout. There is a... Uh, an exploration of the mysteries of ancient Egypt. Um, there are a lot of things that happen in this book that I love and am so excited to share with. with I get to draw universe. one person as a werewolf in conversation with another person who's a piece of pizza. <laughs> yes, so. yes. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> I mean, I think pizza and werewolves often should should come together. Um, I guess the thing about these books that I hope that kids will take is is my love of words and language. Cool. So yeah. Moxie uses a lot of words and counters a lot of words. I think Robbie's favorite scene in the first book is oh. when she undergoes a spelling test regimen. Her teacher, to <laughs> sort of thwart her, gives her a spelling test full of impossible words. And, um, and so in the back of the book and also on our website, the Real McCoy's website, there are uh, there's a, a glossary of words that Moxie encounters and puzzles through defined by Moxie. So we really want kids through um, reading this book and learning more about the, the Rumokoi's world to encounter the beauty of wonderful words, to learn them, to love them, yeah. and to pass them along and use them. I love a- this girl driven by paranoia and questioning things. <laughs> <laughs> and she must hopefully, I hope, I hope for Moxie that she just sleeps so well at night, having just exhausted herself. Uh, um, before I leave you, I want to ask you both what, what we didn't cover, but I realized that I've had a question for a long time that I didn't go snooping around on your website yet, but I feel like it must be true. Have you named all of the Annabelle Adams books? Have you named them all? There are still some because I need some for continuing to write the Real McCoys. Because, I think I have about 15 left, so okay. I have to be very judicious moving forward. <laughs> because I was going to say, I, the way you... The way you name them and describe plot i'm like oh you must be keeping track of this you must have thought about this now matthew are you aware that i have written the whole first annabelle adams book in its entirety i i actually uh, would have guessed that we can talk off recording but because of some of my own writing i i thought i I bet to do this that he's actually written something yeah i actually i actually guessed that okay that's cool though is that something that well, I, it's, I suppose it's, anything could be published, right? Is it something no, that's it's, available online? It's available on our website. Oh, cool. I've been publishing it sequentially throughout the past year. So I did not and, know that. I'll make sure yes. we link to that. 
Yes. So any fans um, of the Real McCoys can dig into Annabelle's first adventure, which I think is even a it's truer example so of hilarious. my voice. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, delighted by that. Okay. So what? What, if anything, did did you want to make sure we talked about that that didn't come up that you want um, people to hear before before we go? You're such an astute reader. I feel like we've talked about more than we've ever talked about this book. I mean, in terms of the things that we'd like to... We're, we're both spread. blinking at each other, blanching yeah. at the missed opportunity to yeah. self-promote. But we... Yeah, you, cool. you've really helped me understand this book. <laughs> I'm glad better. we got to it all. I can't wait to yeah. see you all, maybe for the first time, in October at our library conference so that we can yeah. have these moments together. And yes, we're excited about that. Have Thank me you. in a room of other authors and illustrators and try really, really hard to be judicious of time for everyone. Yes, because indeed. It's, it's, it's fun yeah. to be in a room where you just get to be a fan. Well then, good. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a fan in this brief Aww. and wonderful time we've had together. Um, I I really love what you do and it's it's been neat to get to know you more by 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 getting to know and love moxie more um you i I really really uh enjoy this book and it makes me excited to be back as i said to be back in school to share moxie uh with all of my students you've you've done a really great job and i can't wait to see how how uh all the different ways you're connecting with readers Oh, thank you. So, yes, thank that's so you. lovely. Thank you. thank you. So, so now thinking of those those lovely readers, uh, yes. before we go, um, Matt, you, I'm going to ask you first, and then we're going to give Robbie the last word. Um, oh no! <laughs> I will see. <laughs> I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning, Matthew. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I guess when I was their age, when I was in elementary school, I thought I was going to be an actor, and I was certain of it. And then as I kept moving through my life. I kept doing other things related to creativity. I became a poet, as you now understand. I took up singer-songwriting, and eventually I found fiction. And at no point in my life, until I actually had written a middle-grade novel, did I understand that middle-grade novelist was a job. At no point in my life um, did that category come across my desk. And so I guess what I would say to kids is, You've probably heard of about 0.1% of all the jobs, of all the things there are to do with your time, to devote your life and your heart to. Remain attached to the things that make you happy, the things that you enjoy. And if you keep doing that, that road is going to lead you to that thing that you are meant to do that brings out your best capabilities, that makes you the happiest. But you know, you, you probably don't know what that thing is yet, and it's kind of exciting. It's like a mystery. Um, and I just had to stumble and, and knock my, my toe against the rock that was writing for children um, before I found it and before I discovered how, um, how fun it was going to be. Wonderful. Robbie, same question. Matthew's so wise. <laughs> it, I mean, I, you, know, you have to stumble into writing a mystery when you have no idea what mysteries are or how they work <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I, I, just, yes. I was just filling up inside with all of the callbacks to previous <laughs> moments of our conversation. Um, Robbie, um, I'll see a library full of children tomorrow. Is there a message that I can likewise bring them from you? Um, I think... Ugh. I'm not going to say it as eloquently as Matthew, but I do think that um, knowing yourself, it's its such a terrible thing to tell children because I, I think it's hard to understand what that even means. But trusting your gut and trusting who you are um, is probably one of the most important things as you go out into the world and you're trying to figure out how to navigate life. I think if you can um, trust your gut 
and say, this isn't working or this is working or I like this or I don't like this. And if you can um, be self-assured about it, then it will pay dividends. All of the things that, um, I, this is something that my parents taught me because my, my mother was a potter and my dad sort of was this, he did all kinds of things. He was a jack of all trades. Um, I, I think all of this external pressure to get a, an important job or do an important thing or all of this stuff um, doesn't really mean anything unless you believe it yourself. So if you can believe in yourself, the other stuff will fall into place. So I don't know. Matthew said it better. We said different things. Good job. We're different people. <laughs> I've never met anybody who believes in herself more than Robbie Bear. So oh, boy. That is, um, and that's, yes. And that's, that's what I like about her. <laughs> the most so anyway I'm, I'm excited that you get to go talk to kids tomorrow yeah and um, I hope that um, we get to meet them at some point this is Kate Narita fourth grade teacher and author of the book 100 bugs accounting book the children's book podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City Maryland you can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana. Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O -K -O Sleep and I'll see you there.